This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. like a fucking <laughs> on the street reporter when we're being so interesting always be shows. recording a v r everyone knows this always be recording Listen, with us if we're going to talk about gerard depardieu <laughs> we need everyone to hear it in the world breaking news america gerard depardieu admits to drinking 14 bottles of wine a day god damn dude his teeth must be more stained than mine. I mean, not stained. They're falling out. I mean, perhaps, but he's so drunk he doesn't give a fuck. I think that's how much um, Andre the Giant would drink. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and do you know that? And like, yeah, he'd eat like 12 chickens and drink like 17, yeah. ki- six packs of beer. I wish I wish Vince were going to ask him because that's what he would actually do. <laughs> and when Vince always hated red wine. And then he found out that Andre the Giant loved um, Bordeaux. Uh-huh. No, I'm sorry. He loved Beaujolais wine. Oh. So we tracked it down and like now. Now we drink Beaujolais wine because Andre the Giant drank it. You know that I love Giants, right? No. That's wait, like, what? It's one of my jams. I had never even thought of that as a thing. Yeah, I'm upset. Oh, welcome. This is my favorite murder, <laughs> the podcast. I want to start at I'm obsessed with Giants because the okay. rest of it was all bullshit. I mean, was it or was it some of the best podcasting we've ever done? That anyone's ever done. <laughs> Breaking <laughs> ground, America. Robert Wadlow was in the Guinness Book of World Records. And if you are a child of the late 70s, early 80s, like myself, before there was the Internet, before there were cell phones and smartphones, before there really even was that much TV, we Mm -hmm. just had four channels. Mm -hmm. You did things like sit in your aunt's living room and read the Guinness Book of World Records. Did that so hard. Right. Fuck yeah. Twins on fat twins on motorcycles. Longest nails in the world. Longest hair. Uh, Giants. I love Giants. I had no idea. Robert Wadlow was in the Guinness Book of World Records. He's the tallest man. Uh, I think the tallest man from America. Yeah. Um, he was, I was going to say seven foot 12. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my favorite murder podcast. Hello, now you know it's really us. That was seven like the 12. pin number of proving that it's us by me saying Robert Wadlow was seven foot 12. Did I ever tell you my bra story about in when I was in elementary school? No. I'm like, I've had the flattest chest forever right and in the in the guinness book <laughs> yes as a matter of fact it was kitty porn it was oh, just a photo no. no but when i was little i had like no boobies like most kids do but like sixth grade when girls start to get their boobies and so uh everyone was sitting around talking about like what bra size they have now and someone was like i have a 34a and i have a this not and, and i went well i have a 35a because <laughs> i and they were like that's not a th- oh, it was so embarrassing yeah you just you were just trying to compete. I was You're just, just trying, trying to get in there. Be there, yeah. Yes. When you just look at my, anyways. But 
Now, I just remind you, every girl in that circle did the exact same thing at a different period of time. Yes. And that's what no one ever talks about. And sometimes that's why people are so mean is because people were mean to them when it happened to them. So then when someone yeah. else does it, they descend like fucking. And they're so happy. It's on someone. The attention's on someone else and not them. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Do you know I, this is the this is the reason? And I wish I had had this when I was done is how to laugh at yourself. Because yeah. that just no one can fucking make fun of you if you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I said that stupid thing. Yes. It doesn't affect you. But I think when you're at that age, like you can't laugh at yourself until you're around 37. <laughs> well, in, my, in my experience. That's how old I am. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I'm now laughing at myself. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Oh, my God. I can't wait. <laughs> um, oh, but the thing is, you have to drink 12 bottles of wine a day. <laughs> You have to day part do that shit. I got about three more bottles to go today and I'm good. <laughs> Let's get you there. Let's go there. Um, I just love that people have these interests, giants for giants. you that like you would never think of as a thing that you're really into. Have you ever heard of Anna Swan, the giantess of Nova Scotia? And of course not. I'm a normal person. She's humongous. She's humongous oh my God. and amazing looking. And she married a giant. So they were they were traveling circus people because they were both huge. I love them. And they're, look her up because she, there's pictures where there are people standing in front of her looking up. And she's like two grown men standing on <gasps> each other in a hiding in a dress to get into the movies dressed as Anna <laughs> But I love her because apparently people, she got constant marriage proposals. Oh my God. That's like part of her story where I'm just like, what? Where's this world? Yeah. I want to go to that world. I want to be a giant. Yeah. That's fucking cool. It's the best. That Sorry, is... I didn't mean to go back to giants. No, I want... That's all I wanted to talk about this whole time, <laughs> is your obsession with giants. I really do love when people have this thing that they know all about and are obsessed with. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. It's so cool. Hey, uh, this is my favorite part of the podcast. That's Karen Kilgariff. I'm Georgia Hardstark. That's right. Okay. I have a couple of things this week to talk about. Now we're really being serious. Before we start the murder. Mm -hmm. this is, all right, everyone could stop telling us to listen to Dirty John. Yes, it's the happened. The new podcast, it's happening. I've listened to an episode and a half. Here's the two problems I have with it. One, Vince found out the ending and told me for some Aww. reason. But I did think, like, I'm not going to listen. Just tell me. And he told me. Oh, then that's your fault. It's totally my fault. <laughs> and then the other thing is the the women, the, the daughters who are being interviewed in the podcast they're from Irvine, which is where I'm from, and sound like every girl I went to high school with, and it's giving me fucking PTSD. That's a serious problem. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want that in your head. I don't, but it's a good story, and I'm excited to listen. I mean, people are going crazy about it. Yeah. It's, it reminds me of S-Town a little bit, so I'm... Listen, I got my heart broken by S-Town, so Dear John... I mean, so Dirty funny. John, I'm going to need you to... <laughs> dear John, the, you mean the Judd Hirsch series? Yes. Um, it, people get obsessed and here's what i love i sit back when those things hit and i just let them go i let every everything wash over and then i watch how the first wave is everyone going this is amazing you have to listen to it totally. the second wave is always it wasn't that good yep or it sucked that's who i am right and then then i wait a little bit longer and then there'll, there'll always be someone that's like no here's what here's the situation right nothing's yeah. perfect but it's like but it gets you here and you'll like it because of this and it's this and it's interesting or whatever i think it's just it's a different it, it, that's such a it's such a specific story that it's not going to appeal to everyone so if they're them saying everyone's obsessed with it where it's like no some people aren't that into like you know fraud stories or whatever okay the other thing and then steven sent us this like a couple news 
links that some new photos from Jonestown came out. Oh. Right. And it's from when they're in uh, Ghana. Right. And it's it's basically photos that look like, I think this is what most of them are, like from a brochure. It's propaganda. Like trying to get people to move to Jonestown? Yeah. Look how happy everyone is. They're oh, smiling. Shit. They're working. They're living on a commune, you know, and look how great everyone looks. Although, you know, there's no such thing as race here and everyone works and everyone loves it and the children are learning, but it's all fake. And then there's like one photo of uh, there's a couple photos from the day they all killed themselves. And oh, he killed them. He killed I, 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 yeah, he killed them. Right. And it's it's just fucked up. Yeah. So if you're into that shit like I am, some new pictures. Sorry, I had an update. No, please. And this one, lots of people have been sending, and uh, I appreciate it. We actually talked about it at LA Podfest, but um, Kim, the journalist Kim Wall that I did that story about that the guy built uh, Peter Madsen who built his own submarine. And then she was a journalist mm-hmm. who went to do the story about it. She rode around in this Harbor with him and then she ended up disappearing. He said that she hit her head and that he dumped her body at sea. Uh, and then um, her, a bag of her body parts were found floating in the oh, ocean, Jesus. including her decapitated head with no injuries right. on it, which means she did not hit her head. And, now, Peter Madsen is being looked into for unsolved murders <gasps> in Norway and Sweden. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's brand new. That ha- That's um, a story on AP from 10 hours ago. Oh, my God. That's fucking cr- I love when mm, I mean, I don't love when you know what I mean. No, well, just that this is developing. Yeah, this is an, unlike so many things where we're like and then we just never hear never about, heard it about it again. It. Yeah, this is still a developing story. And I think it's because so many journalists loved her and she was yeah. a well-respected journalist. And there's not a lot of murders there, it seems like. So where, it's. In Nor- Norway uh, and or Sweden or wherever Sweden. this this was Denmark I think right listen look <laughs> look and listen um, speaking of Denmark and Norway we're okay I'm not gonna fucking go down our tour dates because everyone's sick of it I will say that next Wednesday October 18th my sister's birthday we did it on purpose so I could be out of town great um we're gonna be in Minneapolis on Wednesday that show's not sold out so if you want to go to that one next Wednesday eight o'clock probably do you have the theater Northope Northrope Auditorium great yeah go to that and oh and then next week we're finally able to announce our winter tour dates oh that's right so everybody that's been um tweeting and messaging us saying come to this place come to that place next week you're going to find out where we are going to be going in 2018 right and it's going to be uh places we've never been to before sorry chicago and we're going international again that's right so hold on to your butts get ready malaysia just kidding (laughs) um oh and then i also wanted to mention really quickly and then i'm fucking gonna shut up that this please don't (laughs) the 13th what's that this friday is it friday the <laughs> fucking <laughs> the new the 11th. series and i'm this is not an ad i'm really excited about this the new series on amazon for lore the podcast oh yeah love comes out that's amazing i am so fucking excited for the show it's that's so cool i know they horse such stories a good podcast and origin stories stories of folklore is the podcast you haven't listened you should it's great um but they're doing like it's like it looks like it's animated and also f- 
documentary style and but it looks really creepy and cool and there's a i think episode two is about the dude who was like the king of lobotomies in the 50s the one with the ice picked people and cut his fucking sleeves off of his um what's it called sleeveless fucking scrubs yeah you douche yes yeah i'm excited that's amazing. I so know. they basically go into t- and talk about it's like the NPR version yeah. of it's, it's like a visual episode of lore. Right. But in a really cool way. I'm fucking excited. So about excited. That. I remember when they announced that they were making that show. Yeah, it was like a while ago. It's well, so exciting. Turns out shows take a while to make. I had no idea. They do. Um, uh, I'm really excited about that. Fuck yeah, podcasts. That's very cool. Yeah. Um uh, similarly, there's another show that's out. It's on Cinemax. It's Mike Judge's Tales from the Tour Bus. Mm -hmm. And this is uh, completely off of any topic of true crime or anything. This is purely a joyous thing Mike Judge is making. And it is people who toured, worked for, had anything to do with country singers of the, of the past telling stories about working with them. So the first issue. Yes, exactly. Well, just in general. Yeah. The first episode is Johnny Paycheck, who is the guy that wrote Take This Job and Shove It. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing. The guy was in, he was a lunatic. It's animated for the most part with old footage as well. Yeah, it's, yes, exactly. So they'll get, they'll show you pictures of the album covers and some real things, but yeah. then most of it is animation. And it's all these band members, hairdressers, relatives. It's so great. Telling stories. It's so, so there's, cool. so far they've done Johnny Paycheck, George Jones, and Tammy Wynette, and Jerry Lee Lewis, which <gasps> is crazy. Fucking married his child cousin. That's right. She was 14. She's on it. She talks Shut on up. it. Yeah. I need to watch that. She's it's like she's in her 60s. Now I just or remember as a kid, Great Balls of Fire, that movie about the biopic movie. Sure. It's not a thing. I loved it. My, we went and saw it at the movie theater. It was so great. It was so much fun. I loved it. It was pedophile. Yeah. Why were they letting me watch it, parents? Well, it was a different time. And that's why we're trying to make America great again. Can I tell you what I did watch the other? Oh, sorry. That's okay. Speaking of pedophile. What I did watch the other day, and I hadn't realized how long ago it had been since I watched it, was Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. I've seen the ending a million times, but I hadn't actually watched the first part of it. It's so good. I want to cry. Catherine Martin, FBI, you're safe. I didn't understand any of it back then. You know what I mean? You mean when you first watched it? Yeah, like I didn't understand how she figured out how he knew who uh, Buffalo Bill was and how this and how that. Mm Because you know why? I looked up what year it came out and I saw it in the theater and have seen it a million times. I was 11 years old. Oh, shit. When I watched watched Signs of the Lambs in the fucking theater. That's hilarious. He threw cum at her face. Yes, he did. And I was like, what was that Georgia the idea that you <laughs> I didn't know how could they let me watch that no wonder I have a fucking true crime obsession <laughs> it's true that's so funny because you were 11 watching that down in Irvine I was 21 in Sacramento Aww. and we watched it at the Tower Theater and I remember this thing rolling out in front of me and I had already read the book and I was watching it. I, every second of it, I was just like, this is the best movie ever. This is the best movie yeah. ever. Like, I was losing so my happy, mind. So happy. It was my Star Wars. <laughs> Amelie was my Star Wars, I think. Because <laughs> I was like a hipster 19 year old. Like, I love her. I want to be her. That movie's amazing. Um, that movie holds up. Oh, for sure. Love so it. So charming. Okay. Yeah, Silence of the Lambs. Thanks, Mom and Dad. You've ruined me. <laughs> now, look at me. I'm the best. <laughs> 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 I, pick, I pick loving myself over photos. 
do it. Do I'm it. trying. It's just it a matter. I had a really good day of loving myself up until I opened Twitter and saw this picture where I'm like, am I in denial that I'm going bald and just not seeing it? What the <laughs> fuck happened? And then I'm like, oh, that's right. It's my gray roots. Yeah. Fuck. Fuck, fuck every, it. Fuck everything. Fuck it. Fuck the world. Yeah. Fuck it. I mean, look. Listen. My, my friend listen. Molly said on the phone the other day. She was like, I mean, the bomb's going to drop, right? Oh, so yeah. let's do this thing. <laughs> She was talking about like I was flirting with a barista or something like that. And then I was just like, oh, my God, you're so right. It's yeah, nothing matters. We're truly. on a clock here, people. Nothing matters. But water is currency. Water is currency. Let's have some peak experiences before things go to shit. You know what peak I mean? Peak experiences sound like someone, something someone on their way to um, Burning Man would say. Totally. We're about to have a peak experience. Yeah. Let's try to get out there every day and if if your peak experience is drinking nine bottles of wine do it my peak experience is staying at home and chilling out and watching oh i I paid oh my god okay last thing i swear to god (laughs) vince was gone all week out of town so i was like gonna be my fucking natural self which is turns out the most disgusting nat like person (laughs) like the sheets had been taken off before we left and i didn't ever put sheets on my bed oh i just slept on the random sheets I threw on top of so you were kind of squatting in your own house I was squatting I'm gross it was terrible and then one night I was like I'm staying home and drinking whiskey and I want to watch cold case files and then I get a text from Vince saying you're watching cold case files and I realized it was because I had just spent $20 on season one of cold case files on our Amazon (laughs) and it's under his name and so it emailed him to let him know that his wife just spent $20 to watch season one of cold case files of a show that probably if you put it into your DVR it would bring up 29 episodes if you put it it, if you go to YouTube it's like here's everything for free and you're like no I'm gonna pay premium no I want Bill Curtis to have that money I think he needs more brown leather jackets and I'm gonna be the one that buys them you know for what him. i owe him he has narrated our lives he's narrated my life he has brought a somber and reasonable uh attitude very to reasonable some terrible terrible um murders and crimes yep and he's been there for us thank you bill and he he let us know that justice was right around the corner <laughs> oh my god i love cold case files okay he, was he the host of Cold Case, Case Files? You know what's weird? Danny Glover was originally the host. <laughs> no. What the fuck? <clears throat> Excuse me. Swear to God, except fact check that, Stephen. <laughs> like, swear to almost, I think. But you know it's going to be some actor that's like super similar, but I can never remember who's whom. Yes. Who's whom, though? Who's you whom? do remember to say whom. I mean, I'm not that stupid. Uh, oh, I should say this. The Northern California wildfires Ugh. are intense and crazy and huge swaths of where I grew up is burning down right now. Oh, my God. If you have spare money and are looking to give it and there's one million places to give it these days, uh, Puerto Rico obviously is in dire need. But also there are people in Northern California who literally have nothing right now. So those I'm obsessed with those photos, which is terrible, but in a fucking the comparative ones of yeah. the neighborhood and then and the neighborhood. It's just gone. like the thought of your house being turned to fucking ash. Yeah. And those people, the people that, uh, it's like there's a neighborhood slightly north of the main city of Santa Rosa, but Santa Rosa is the next city up from Petaluma. Uh-huh. That's where we used to go to the mall to get clothes for school. You had to go to the next city yeah. up. Um, 
and the neighborhood it's like a little bit north of that of the main city the people were woken up at 1 30 in the morning with people just saying run they didn't get any kind of emergency like it was just panic grab whatever you could and run out of your house as your as like the flames were coming do you ever think about like aside from pets obviously what you would grab yeah it's pictures i think mostly like my computer that's the good thing is my sister started packing tonight just in case because there's still more fires and everybody now just wants to be ready but we were like everything's on the computer like pictures are now on computers like there's a couple old but like i mean i love my shit but it's all just tchotchkes it's all that's what i said to my sister i go we can replace anything in your house grab anything that's irreplaceable if you can yeah i guess there's a photo album i don't know whatever yeah you guys stay safe yeah oh look at steven what you got steven oh nice oh hello redwood credit union um they uh have a north bay relief fund 100 percent of donations go to fire victims wow this is it's basically if you go onto the website of the redwood credit union and then go on to north bay fire relief they have the, its own separate page and then there's just a donate button nice and, and that's so awesome because it's um that redwood credit union has been in northern california since i can remember um and and all of your money goes to uh, the relief. That's beautiful. So that's awesome. That's so cool. Thanks, Stephen. That's great. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye georgia have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant like perfectly scrambled eggs oh my god yes karen and then all i want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day well you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient made in cookware made in was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world for years they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware some of tom colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in maiden whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with your meals will benefit from the quality of made in products like their carbon steel cookware it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame it's the mvp of summer cookouts and cook-ins 
What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill. If you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom, it's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made-in, made-in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Are you first or am I first? I think it's you. Steven? I think it's me too. Yeah, because you... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are we counting that? Yeah. We're counting what happens to us. We're counting what we decide. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to go first. All right. Have a peak experience with this one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's October. Everyone's favorite month. It's fucking Halloween time. <laughs> Listen, let's do this. It's like you're giving me a sales pitch in a voice that says I'm not interested. I'm not interested in working with you. Well, I did this murder because I wanted to do it. And then I realized I could fucking f- tag it on to the fact that it's Halloween time. Oh, yeah. So, but it's very loose. Okay. <laughs> so I don't I'm not I'm not married to it. You know what I mean? Got it. And I also watched this, the way I actually did think of doing this is I watched this movie on Netflix, like a Netflix movie that I had heard nothing about called Little Evil that ended up being so fucking good. Oh, good. It's basically if the kid from, um, like, if, if Satan's spawn, the spawn of Satan had a mother and the mother was Evangeline Lilly and she <laughs> married a man who became the spawn of Satan's stepdad and Mm -hmm. it is um adam scott oh and it's so charming and so cute and funny i don't know how this just like went under the radar and bridget everett is like his sidekick wow it's such a charming movie so it's like it's it's like comedy it's a dark comedy that's awesome it's so good so please go watch it and then i thought oh that's fun so here is (laughs) here's the story the real story Behind the Amityville Horror. Yes. You ready for this? Okay, just really quick. And I know I've said this a thousand times. The hardback cup, the hardback book of the Amityville Horror. So it's shaped like a paperback, but it had a hard white cover. Huh. Was the book in my grammar school library that I checked out so many times Sister Rita Rose got mad at me? I forgot that it was that book. And now I feel like I've stolen a murder from you. You have not? Okay. And I celebrate this and I'm thrilled. Okay. I want to tell baby Karen, little Karen, about this story. Well, she's right here. Well, I'm going to tell her right I, now. No, I don't want you to. <laughs> That's what she's like. All right. So, the, of course, everyone knows about the Amityville Horror, the movie. It's this haunted house that's like, uh, you know, inhabited by Satan and all this bullshit. But I don't know. People maybe don't know that it's actually based on an actual story that happened before the haunting. That's right. That's <laughs> a huge fan of the book. Me and Sister Rita Rose. <laughs> what I loved about the book is the fact or this story, whether or not it's true, is it starts out as, oh, they find out this horrible thing happened in their house. But then they find out that there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. So they but that could completely be for like the book and movie. Who knows if that part I'll is tell real. You. I'll fucking tell you. Sweet. Yeah. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. All right. So the family, the DeFeo family, they consist of Ronald DeFeo Sr. He's 44 and his wife, Louise, 42. Ronald is a car salesman at the family dealership 
super fucking successful mob ties maybe Perhaps. probably pretty much definitely i mean don't don't all italians have mob ties <laughs> oh my god oh no, she just offended a quarter of our listeners <laughs> um how dare you so the the random fucking uh car dealership is doing so well in brooklyn that the that the defeo family is able to move from their apartment in brooklyn to a three-story colonial in the charming town of amityville on long island about an hour outside of the city Uh, do the whole thing in that voice okay (laughs) i was trying to be a um real estate agent oh that's fun yeah that's why you put that neckerchief on And bake some cookies. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. They chose this home. And as you saw on the cover of the Amityville book, it's a piece of Americana. Two stories plus an addict. It's huge and sprawling. There's a boathouse right on the Amityville River. And out front, they put a sign post that says, High Hopes. Basically oh, like- naming the house. So it's this gorgeous, huge colonial house. Fucking, it has eyes it has it looks like it has eyes because it has these two windows up in the attic that look like eyes yeah so the oldest of the defeo children is ronald butch defeo jr he's born on september 26 1951 <laughs> ronald senior the dad is a domineering man he would fucking pick fights with his wife and children. He was physically abusive. Um, and the target of a lot of this abuse was Ronald Jr. I'm going to call him Butch. Partly because he was the eldest, so there's a lot of expectations on him. And it's said that he would beat the shit out of him. He'd throw him against a wall and hit his head. So there's the head injury aspect that oh, we yeah. all know and love. So as Butch gets older, he starts fighting back. And um, he's also known as a bully at school. He's just like angry, mean kid. Um, Bullies get bullied. Bullies are bullies because they've been bullied. Exactly. So the parents, they try to take him uh, to Butch to a psychiatrist. He fucking refuses to go. And so instead, they're like, let's just appease and placate him. And they start buying him anything he wanted and giving him money. Like, that's their solution. (laughs) I bet it worked, right? I mean, you know what? The only way we would know if someone would do it to us. That's (laughs) we should try it. (laughs) Is all I'm saying. What a bizarre plan. I mean, like, because I understand that they were rich. But that, yeah. but that I feel like never in the history of man has that worked. Oh, clearly it's kids. never worked. But I understand, especially back in the 70s. It's like, well, here's what we'll do. If he's never unhappy, he's never going to get mad. Right. You know? Right. And uh, so they start buying him a bunch of shit, including a $14,000 speedboat when he was 15. What? $14,000 today would buy you a nice car. Back uh, then, can you imagine? This okay, so these people something happened and they're swimming in money. Why would uh, the uh, the son the own, the son's owner of a car dealership in Brooklyn have that much fucking money? I mean, quality salesman. Just he's really friendly and he's got a couple pinky rings, not just yeah. one like normal car salesman, but a couple. Well, that's the other thing too is he looks like Tony Soprano. Yeah, he's got that big bulky you know, um, intimidating presence. He's kind of, uh, you know, he speaks like a Long Islander, sure. word, which I will refuse to do. 
an impression. Hey, the parkway's over by my pocketbook. It's a lot of that kind of shit. Why is there a parkway by his pocketbook? It's those are the two words that remind me of Long Island. Because my friend Vicky, <laughs> I used to work with my friend Vicky, who is from Long Island, and those are the first like two things I heard her say on like one of the first days that we worked yeah. at Ellen together, where I was like, "Where are you from? <laughs> There's no such thing as a parkway out here." Yeah, and pocketbooks, wallets. Stop it. Calm down. She also used to always say food shopping. I'm gonna go food shopping. Where I'm like, that's just shopping. <laughs> you know, I don't care. You don't have to specify. Yeah. No, we get it. It doesn't matter. I had. I just got my food shopping done. How about you? I just went shopping for food. Uh, how about you don't tell me about your fucking errands? Yeah. Just kidding. how about we all do it? Listen. I love you, Italians, Vicky, <laughs> Vicky and Long Islanders. Vicky Ernst. Apologies in advance. <laughs> um. Boop boop boop. Bah. Okay. Of course, not surprisingly, it only made things worse. And by 17, Butch had become an LSD and heroin user. Oh. Which is like heroin in the 70s. <laughs> Crazy, right? That's when it was really organic. It's just go- a gorgeous just like, golden brown. <laughs> it was like a pure trip. It was more of, it was what the Native Americans did around that area. <laughs> it's like a peace pipe, but with heroin injected into your arm. I do feel like, though, people were so naive about drugs in the 70s. Like, I, my friend Jerry had a story about doing, I think they called it window pain, which is that intense acid from the 70s no she said they were tripping for days no every day they saw the whole world in a different color so the first day it was red and the second day was purple and i was kind of cool but i don't want that it sounds it makes me sick to my stomach no i was thinking that too it's just like won't ever end and that was just like because they walked home from school and a guy was like hey do you want to buy this acid oh he loved it he loved making them trip that hard oh fuck that crazy okay I ate crayons as a joke once when I was on LSD. Let's not talk about it. (laughs) My friend and I were like, let's chew these crayons up and see what happens when we spit them out. I bet it'll be really pretty. Oh my God. Cut this immediately. Was it pretty? It was gorgeous. I wore a vinyl dress to my own Christmas party and I was answering the door and people were like, are you okay? And then I realized it was because my, I was so cold. My lips were blue, but I was like, this outfit is amazing. I look like I'm from space. Hosting a party on acid, not a good idea. Never, ever. Don't do drugs. Okay. Don't do drugs, everybody. Um, expelled from school as well. So at, so at 18, he's expelled from school and they're like, you know what? You know what will fix him? Let's give him a job at the family car dealership. Yes. Let's do that. There it is. Let's not give him a lot of responsibilities and let's give him a large salary. Boom. Sorry, you're reading me the Donald Trump story? <laughs> What's happening? Ooh. Ooh, political. You better be careful. I liked them till they got political. <laughs> My fucking mom. Okay. okay, so he's the boss's son asshole that's coming in on a full salary but doesn't have to do anything. The boss's son, the and then the boss's boss's grandson. Oh. And he's just like, pay me, motherfuckers. <laughs> How about you pay me? And he looks like, he looks... And he's probably the original Brooklyn hipster. He looks like this Brooklyn hipster. Sideburns. What more do you need? Sideburns, beard, like 70s garb, but it's because it's in the 70s. Right. You know what I mean? It's not just like fucking uh, bed bug used (laughs) outfits from a thrift store. Right. It's the real deal. It is real. So, okay. Um, but, but, but he's, he uses the money, the salary he makes to buy guns, alcohol and drugs and continues his shitty behavior, which included runs with the law, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Once during a fight between his, so his mom and dad were fighting, meaning the dad was like 
fucking bullying the mom butch points a 12 gauge shotgun at his father and pulls the trigger the gun malfunctioned and didn't fucking shoot oh my god so this guy's out of his mind um so in the weeks before the murder this thing happened where uh but it's 1974 butch is given the job of depositing more than 20 grand in from the car dealership to the bank they're like go to the bank deposit this use your boat use your boat <laughs> Which is like, why are you giving this kid that money? And not surprisingly, he reports that he had been robbed at gunpoint while he was waiting at a red light, but he had actually planned the mock robbery. And at first, the dad seemed to believe it. But when the police showed up to question him, which is like, stick with your story, bro, he fucking loses his shit and is super pissed off and refuses to cooperate. And then so his dad realizes something isn't right. And he thinks his son is up, was up to it. Um and Butch threatens to kill him. So To kill the dad again? Yeah. Now, <laughs> a week later, cut to the early morning hours of November 13th, 1974. The family is sleeping and Butch goes around with a shotgun. So the first shot, it, the, he goes into his parents' room. They're sleeping on their stomachs. The first shot hits Ronald Sr. in the back uh, tearing through his kidney and exiting through his chest. He fired another round into his back and it pierces his father's spine and lodged in his neck. He's dead. Then he shoots his mother uh, twice as well. It shatters her rib cage, collapses her right lung, and physical evidence shows that Luis, his mother, was awake when she was shot. Like she went to turn around to see what was going on. They're both on their stomachs yeah. when they're found. Then Butch goes into his sweet baby brother's rooms, Mark, who's 12, and John Matthew, who's nine, and shoots them both while they're face down in their beds. Mm -hmm. um, and then he ends by shooting his sister's point blank versus Allison, who's 13, and uh, he shoots her in the face and then is young uh, and she's killed instantly. And then he turns on his sister, Dawn, who's 18, and shoots her in the head, blowing off the less the left side of her face mm -hmm. so fucking brutal with a shotgun so just after 3 a.m um in a span of less than 15 minutes ronald butch defeo jr had brutally slain every member of his family they were all found lying on their stomachs in bed um butch showers trims his beard gets dressed in jeans and work boots and then he collects his bloody clothing and the rifle wraps them up in a pillowcase and uh, on his way to work, he disposes of the pillowcase and everything in it by tossing them into a storm a storm drain. I spelled that wrong. <laughs> tossing them into a storm drain. And that's where the clown from It was waiting. <gasps> that's the scariest <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my life. Why did you say that? <laughs> well, that's what I think of when I think of storm drains. Totally. That or... Um, that or JFK being killed because they arrested someone in a storm drain no. right after it happened. No. Yeah. We'll get, uh, you know what? Maybe I'll do it one day. Shit. I'd never heard that. Yeah. Um, every time I walk George, my dog, she, if we walk, there's a storm drain that we always walk by <laughs> and she always has to go and stick her head down in it. No. And every time I'm like, if that fucking clown from it is in there, I am going to lose it. She's going to get her head chomped off. By what? I don't, a clown. She loves it in there. So many smells. <laughs> so many raccoons. <laughs> okay. Then tosses it in a storm drain, then goes to work at the car, car dealership at 6 a.m. Oh, all by himself? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Goes to work. At the family car dealership. At the family car dealership. And I killed. think they were like, what are you doing here at 6 a.m.? It's weird anyways. He's like, you know me, Butch, how much I love working yeah. and getting along with people. Want to get an early start. Come on. I got my boots on. <laughs> my jeans. <laughs> my beard is trimmed. So throughout the morning, he keeps saying like, I don't know why my dad, my dad's not here yet. So he keeps calling home. Um, he leaves work around noon and he spends the day with his friends and to secure an alibi he tells them that um that he couldn't seem to reach anyone at home to let them know that he's like trying and hey look no one's no one's answering yeah he ends up at a bar real close in amityville real close to his house um and then is like hey guys i'm gonna go check on my family it's so weird that i haven't heard from them and then at 6 30 that night he bursts back into the bar and yells you gotta help me i think my mother and father are shot so uh, Butch and a small group of people from the bar went to the home and they found the whole family dead in their beds. When the detectives questioned Butch about who could be a suspect in the murders, he told them that he believed that a mafia hitman named uh, Louis Fellini may have been responsible and that his whole family was like in with the mob and that they had wronged the uh, Fellini family in some way and they were pissed off at him. Um, so he then gives them the alibi of I've been gone all day. And when I left the house this morning, my whole family was, I think they were still alive. So they, the police take him into protective custody while they search for the suspect. Mm. But when they searched the house, they found an empty box for a recently purchased 35 caliber Marlin gun. It's for you gun people in Butch's room. And when the timeline came together, it's it placed Butch at home at the time of the homicides, not after he left. So when they question him, um, he begins to change his story. He says that Fellini had appeared at the house early that morning, put a revolver to his head and dragged him from room to room as they murdered his family. Him and an accomplice murdered his family, making Butch watch. Mm hmm. Then eventually under questioning, he broke down and confessed to killing his family, saying, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. On trial, his defense lawyer, William Weber, tried to prove that he was insane, saying that he heard demonic voices that told him to kill his family. But the psychiatrist for the prosecution proved that he suffered from antisocial personality disorder, which doesn't mean you're crazy the illness made him aware of his actions but motivated by a self-centered attitude and even at one point during the trial he threatened to kill both his own lawyer and the judge <laughs> they put him on they put him on the stand and this dude is just like fucking crazy as shit yeah he um, well, it seems like that's his solution to a lot of problems is i'll kill you yeah yeah which, which really you know as we're learning is not is a non-solution yeah <laughs> it's this thing of like people pretending to be crazy to get uh the the verdict of insane and it's like no you're just proving what a piece of shit you are and you're also understanding that you need to plot this out so it makes you look sane because you understand reasoning and plotting yes there's not the insanity part isn't there it's but you are clearly either a sociopath or just the most rotten spoiled child of all time exactly. like is that where spoiling children can get you yeah because that should be a psa <laughs> all those kids that are fucking screaming out loud in restaurants it's like get a hold of it now yeah or you're gonna go the route of the mr butch DeFeo. amen or at <laughs> least something Hallelujah. close and it's or you're just annoying everyone else around you mm -hmm. and like i'm trying to eat in peace yeah 
Just no screaming. How no. about the rule of no screaming? No screaming. And if your child is screaming, take them outside. Or how about you glare at your child? No one wants you to hit them. No. But how about a good icy... My father used to stop us in our tracks with the look on his face. Oh, my God. Like, you've gone too far. And well, also, he was very large and intimidating. Oh so, I'm sure he only had to look at us. But we'd be like, Ugh! And you just, like, Ugh! Yeah. sit exactly this where you were. This is not going well. Mm-mm. Stop right now. Yeah. I love it. So, on November 21st, 1975, uh, the jury finds Butch guilty on six counts of second-degree murder. He's sentenced to six consecutive life sentences. But all these questions, and this is, like, one of the reasons why this murder is still big to this day, and people still debate it when it's clear that he just, this fucking crazy dude on acid and heroin who was a piece of shit, narcissistic asshole, just killed his entire family. There are things that are weird that make people question what really happened and think that it didn't happen that way. So one of them, which I totally understand and want to know the answers to, is how did he shoot six people in four different rooms without any of them waking up or trying to escape? Yeah. And they're all they're all on their stomachs when they're shot. So no one turned over to be like, what the fuck was that? Um, Like they were drugged? Well, that's what I thought, too. Okay. No drugs in any other systems. Really? Period. Oh. Yeah. And no neighbors heard the rifle blasts at all. And this is a fucking rifle. Yeah. The defense experts conducted an experiment on the Marlin rifle and found that it's report. Report? Or report. Rapport. Report. Report. It's spelled report, guys. It's just a report. Its noise <laughs> was so loud that it could be heard almost a mile away. It's a rifle. Yeah. So how did none of the neighbors hear it? And I, you can see photos. They weren't that far away, the neighbors. They were like literally next door. I mean, he must have done. I mean, like, then did he put rum in something? I mean, like, he must yeah. have affected them in some way, right? But how did the neighbors not hear it either? Oh, Oh, like silencer. No, nothing. No, there's no silencer. There's no drugs in the system. Alcohol, I doubt it either. Well, but I mean, could there be a silencer that they didn't find? I don't know. Yes. I'm putting it out I'm there. I'm going to say yes. I'm putting it out there. Even though I, th- I don't know. Rifle silencer. It's probably Satan. Could be Satan. Yeah. The, it is weird. Everybody's sleeping on their stomachs. Yeah, that's weird. why isn't one person sleeping on their side, right? Like a that's normal human being. Or did he? You know, there's this. The obvious answer to me is that he went from room to room and was like, "Stay down. There's someone in the house," and like warned them that, like, "Don't move. I'm going to protect you." Maybe. But then why wouldn't the dad get up? And then why well, wouldn't the he neighbors hear the, the shots? The dad first. He went the, and killed the dad and the mom, went into the kids' room and was like, you guys stay in here. Something's, something's happening. Ooh, that's fucked. Okay. Yeah. Stay on your, well, why stay on your stomach? Stay on your stomach because I'm weird. You know what else? He could have walked in the room and they were sitting up and he said, lay down on your stomach and then shot them because he didn't want to see their faces when he killed them. True. But he shot one of his sisters in the face. He did. He? Maybe he was particularly hateful of that sister. <laughs> maybe maybe which is it is a thing that they fought a lot to don the older sister who was 18 well but then there's also the theory oh sorry are you doing more theories which one are you gonna do the Incest? theory that don was his co-conspirator and she's shot people let's go to that one okay let's go to the tapes <laughs> so years it wasn't until years later though that ronnie changed his story again while he was in prison and said that his sister don was involved in the murders now listen Ron, ronnie makes up so many stories that you just they're Can't all bullshit believe. yeah they're all bullshit but here they are um <laughs> that she had actually p- 
planned the murders with him to kill their parents after they had a huge fight with them. Um, but they had no plans to kill the siblings. And then, uh, so she went to kill the parents. And when he found out, Ronnie found out that Don had also killed the kids. She was so pissed off. He was so pissed off. Um, she had wanted to eliminate them as witnesses that he wrestled the gun from her and shot her in the head himself. So, so the only person he was guilty of killing was this murderer, his sister. I mean, that sounds like absolute bullshit. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it sucks that we can't get any information about what their home life was really like from anyone but DeFeo and secondhand, you know, boyfriends and friends saying what it was like. But from all their accounts, it wasn't good. Yeah. So who knows? He, um, and then it was reported during the original police investigation that traces of gunpowder were found on Don's nightgown, indicating that she may have fired a weapon. Hmm. But I guess it's also proven that if someone shoots you at close range, you can get that as well. Yeah. Then he claims that his sister Don shot his father, then says a their mother, distraught over that, shot Don and her three youngest kids so that the mother, that Don killed the dad, the mother killed Dawn. Dawn and the other three youngest children then shot herself. And then when when Butch found out, he flies into a rage and fired one bullet at his m wounded mother who had just shot himself. So the only person he shot was the like, it's just. But all that happens way later. He said he makes these stories up later. No, no, I get it. Oh. <clears throat> I'm saying like. The reason that doesn't fly is because of the laying down on the stomachs thing. Yeah. Like all you can't have that kind of chaos and then everyone end up in the same position. I mean, it's just it doesn't like seem. such a far fetched theory. It's stupid. Like to believe it is you, idiotic, especially with only the fucking testimony of a fucking crazy person who's trying to get himself away from it, any responsibility of what happened. Yeah. It's a, it almost sounds like somebody he like was sit, sitting in jail bored and he's totally. like, maybe they'll listen to me if I just make up a new story. Totally. Totally. So in 1975, let's get to the fucking haunting shit real quick. Also total bullshit. In 1975. Uh, 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 now we're in a fight. <laughs> Karen the Catholic. This is my favorite story. Okay. You can't say it's bullshit. I'm sorry. It's my favorite. I know. I want to believe it so much too, but the more I'm reading, the more I'm like, oh. I know. And the movie when I was a kid scared the shit out of me. I also looked up when that was made and I was like, nope, too young to have watched this. What, like 82? Something crazy like that? I don't know, Stephen, look it up because that would mean I was only two. That's and the that Jim Brolin movie, right? Where yes. he has the beard and he's like super it's nuts. It's a gorgeous movie. I keep going to that digital clock that it's like three yeah. twelve or whatever time it was that it happened. Fifteen or something. Yeah, and he keeps waking up. All right, so it's based on the fact that George and Kathy Lutz they buy about a year after this they buy the DeFeo house for eighty grand. They knew about the murders, but they were like, "It's cool. We don't believe in shit." Stephen, seventy nine. The night wasn't born yet. 79 so i watched it in the womb i <laughs> i think i watched it on like a friday night yeah Turner it was on movie TV. classics or whatever no it's a because i remember watching it in my aunt's living room and i wouldn't have watched it when i was nine yeah it was on tv we must have been home alone turned it on and then i wanted to kill myself it was like a creature features thing yeah you're just like what's this 
Yeah, it terrified me. Okay. Remember the flies on the window? The flies in the window. Wasn't there a scene where like all the they were standing outside of the house when they had left it and all the lights were flicking on and off and all this crazy shit was going on inside? Yes. That scared me more than anything I ever had until I watched it. Wow. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. I was a scaredy cat as a kid. <laughs> it's a very big deal. Thank you. All right. Okay, so they buy the house. They're like, no big deal. It's a we got a good deal on it. So George and Kathy and their and Kathy's three kids from a different marriage moved in. It doesn't matter. Uh, then weird shit starts happening. <laughs> What's happening? What? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. It doesn't. I don't need to specify that she had three kids from a different marriage. You know, it was just like that's fine. Okay, like I don't want to shame her. Like she's a oh she's a divorcee with three kids. You know, <laughs> like I don't know why I did that. Like, I'm not judging her. It seems like information you're trying to convey. I don't need to. It's unnecessary, okay. and it seems... So they were born out of wedlock? No. They <laughs> were born... <laughs> Listen. Look. Let me tell you about her life. Okay. She's a she great... was a tramp. <laughs> okay. So they have a priest come to bless the house. He said he felt an unseen hand slap him. Yes. In one of the rooms and heard a voice saying, get out, get out. Get out. Um, th- they said that they had crazy things happen, like windows, lock, windows and doors would lock inexplicably and then open and close. A devilish creature was seen outside the window at night. George was seemingly, quote, possessed by an evil spirit and green slime oozed from the walls and ceiling. The family, uh, there was apparitions of hooded figures, clouds of flies. I think I already said that. Um, Cold chills, personality changes, sickly odors, objects moving about on their own. And then the youngest Lutz child, a little girl, became friends with a devilish pig, uh, evil demonic pig, imaginary friend called Jody. Yeah. Um, Jody the pig. Jody the pig. Good old Jody the pig. And then Kathy reports that she was often beaten and scratched by unseen hands and that one night she was levitated off of her bed. Shit. And then um, George says his wife was physically transformed into an old woman with the face and hair and wrinkles of a 90-year-old woman, which I'm like, that's insulting. Keep that to yourself. You know what I mean? Like when Vince is like, you have too much makeup on? It's like, shut up. You know what I mean? (laughs) But it was demonic forces. It wasn't just like... I fear you. I fear your old age in the future. <laughs> okay. And then he'd wake up at 3.15 every morning oh, when the murders yeah. happened. So just 28 days after they moved in, they fled the house. They left all their clothes in the closets and food in the refrigerator. By the way, when they bought the house, it had all of the DeFeo's furniture still in it, except for the mattresses where the kids were fucking murdered. No on. way. So what the fuck is wrong with you people? Like redecorate, man. <laughs> Like the real estate agents, like uh, you can buy this as is. Yes, that, and it's a bargain. You know that murder house in Los Feliz that's yeah. been fucking closed up forever. Yeah, like can you imagine buying it? Be like, well, this is great vintage furniture. Just leave it. Yeah. No. Well, you'd have to really sage that thing. Yeah. You'd have to really clap those corners. You'd have to light some sage and then light the house on fire with it <laughs> and burn it to the fucking ground. Go ahead and take that insurance check. Yeah. And buy yourself some mid-century modern yeah. furniture. Then figure your shit out. Yeah. And stop. Buy a McMansion. Um, Okay, so they end up publishing the account of the hauntings in a book that was written by, that they worked on with Jay Anson called The Amityville Horror, True Story, which we all know and love. Um, Published as nonfiction in 1976, sold more than 6 million copies. Um, 
film version comes out, huge box office success. The Lutz has become famous. They later admit it was a hoax. No. Yeah. When? Concocted with the help of Butch's defense lawyer, <gasps> William Weber. Remember him? Who was like, no, he's crazy. He heard demonic voices. So they said it wasn't ghosts. They had all these fucking psychics and mediums come in. I was like, there's no ghost here. It's, a, it's demonic possession, which I believe in ghosts. Sure, fine. Let's let's have it. But demonic possession is fucking stupid. I don't know. Famous last words. <laughs> so William Weber's Wait, angle was if Georgia other- just turned her head all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> and then I vomited in your face. <laughs> uh, William Weber, remember, was trying to say that is you basically using this account who by the way, they said that they came up with after a few bottles of wine. Oh my god, uh, I forgot that part with the Lutzes that to like to prove that the house was possessed and so is Butch. And he was not responsible, exactly. basically. Um, yeah, that's why the family was killed. So Ronnie's still in prison. All of his appeals and requests to the parole board to date have been denied. And that's the Amityville horror and the murder of the DeFeo families. It's so... Family. The question of how he got those that family killed in that manner is so vexing and so fascinating but which way that they're on their stomachs just that like yeah how do you take a rifle and shoot six people or five people um and have people not hear and have the people not wake up and have you know what i mean like that's the weirdest part by the fifth person in the family they've heard now four gunshots and they know that their older brother is fucking crazy yeah like that's the other thing too especially don who is 18 and grew up with him it's like they know their brother is crazy and and the whole town was like as soon as they found out what happened was like well butch did it like everyone fucking knew he was crazy yeah so but in the amityville horror book they talk about this red room that's in the basement yes and how it's filled with evil and all this stuff and i was so fascinated by this it's almost like they centralized where the evil was coming from yeah and like people tried to go in there and they would get crazy headaches and all this weird shit would happen i was so fascinated by that it doesn't exist it i'm sorry it exists (laughs) karen in your mind karen it sticks in your heart and soul it's fine i feel like at the heart of every story like that is is I know. people want to go like, oh my God, the devil has been here and there's flies on yeah. this sewing room window. But at the end of the day, the truth of it is a spoiled asshole drug addict yep. killed his family, yep. which is the thing people can't face because children. it's not a monster. And, and it's a real like, person. How could someone kill children? Right. Who had nothing to do totally with innocent. any of this. It's like. So you'd rather you, be like the exactly, devil did it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier yeah oh honey i'm sorry oh what a story <laughs> i love it um i can't believe i didn't do that i it's know so I, can't funny. I, I can't believe i did it didn't even cross my <laughs> mind that that was the story i don't know why i was thinking of the omen as that story oh yeah because he's the he's this for you though he's like got the, the mark the book you checked out i totally forgot oh yeah girl but I mean, it makes I was, it even worse that you could check that book out. It was so scary. It was horrifying. Oh my god! It was very detailed, and I mean, the nun that was mad at me was the scariest part of all. Right. So. Right. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's journey has that and more. 
June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. I did my usual thing where I was watching, on Tuesday I was watching true crime shows all day and then i'm like well i didn't do anything today so i better pick one of these (laughs) an episode of one of these things and do my murder from one of these shows that i just watched great and actually a ton of people told me this and i knew it but i didn't realize they were saying so there's a show called murder maps on netflix Mm -mm. and it's basically all these murders that have taken place in uh london or i think england generally but mostly london okay and they're most of them are really old and it's such a good show and the guy that's the narrator host i think his name is nicholas day is so dramatic and Mm. awesome and it's just great um i love it and so there was i'd already watched the first two seasons so every time people would be like you've got to watch murder maps i'd be like girl i've been there and back (laughs) well there was a season three and i didn't know i think that's what people were trying to tell me yeah I'm going to be, try to be a better listener. Um, <laughs> so that's what I was watching. And so this is this, this is the story of Neville Heath, the lady killer. So I'm going to take you. Oh, also, I just want to say it. So it's this episode of murder maps. There's a guy that's one of the talking heads and his name's Neil Root. And he wrote a book called frenzy, uh, colon Heath, hi and christy and it's basically about the three british serial killers that were caught after world war ii wow and they're john um christy i can't remember if i did him or not but he's that guy i don't think i did he's really fucked up um i can't remember what the other guy is and then the third guy's my guy uh for this um and it's just fascinating because there was it maybe the high guy is there was somebody that during world war ii during like the blitz when London was yeah. getting the fuck bombed out of I it. I read about him. He was killing people. Like so, in an alley or something like yes. that. Yeah. They would find bodies and they would assume, oh, this must be another thing from the bombing. What a another dick. um victim. The victim, thank you. It was <laughs> <laughs> trophy. <laughs> oh, it's been a long day. It's been a long day. Okay. So anyway, this is this. These were all really good stories, but I this guy was especially interesting. So I'll give you a little history as they do in murder maps to kind of set the scene. Yes, please. Um, May eighth, nineteen forty six. It's victory, um, victory in Europe day is what they called it. So finally, World War Two is over, and England and London specifically have just gotten the shit beaten out of them. Oh yeah, it's pretty amazing how badly london was bombed and totally and made it if you go look at there's there's a lot of those photos of before and after yeah and it's insane it's insane and what 
I really loved and that what this show is really good at doing is they started talking about how um, like how it affected the culture because so for like you know over six years basically all of the men left mm-hmm. went off to fight war all of the women took over their jobs mm-hmm. um, I never knew this um, but in that time uh, uh, of all the like when did women had like hard labor jobs and they were talking about it in the setup of this and women what's the uh, women built the Waterloo Bridge what? in London. No way. And, and when the guy, when the narrator says that in the show, it cuts to this live black <gasps> and white footage of all these women sitting in basically what looks like men's work gear, smoking cigarettes and s- like sitting on the bridge. Yeah. As like taking a lunch break from building it. Dude. And that's what happened, you know, as everybody knows, like all the men were gone so women became truck drivers women be, w- worked in factories mm-hmm. made bombs did all the uh, went into the army themselves mm-hmm. like it's kind of amazing so then when the war ended and all these soldiers came back they thought they were just going to take their jobs again yeah. and like everything would be normal but this culture shift had changed that was so radical where women were like well fuck you we had to do it out of necessity and now we're like, we can do it. And also, why didn't you tell us pants were so comfortable? Yeah. How dare you keep pants from us for pants. this long? Only the horse ladies got pants. That's <laughs> bullshit. So, so I think that's kind that part is very exciting where it was like a woman's movement purely by necessity where they were, it's the totally. whole, we can do it thing where it's yeah. like, not only can you do it, you're fully going to do it. And then you're going to want to keep doing it even though men are back and they're like, now I work at the factory and they're like, get the fuck out of here, buddy. (laughs) They didn't do that, but it was a hard, uh, you know, uh, of course soldiers had a hard time reacclimating in all ways, but then especially culturally, because this was a world that they didn't live in before they left. Women were just like, yeah, I'll take care of it. And they're traumatized. I mean, uh, they'd seen horrible things and everyone was desensitized now that they had all lived through those who lived through this horrible time in life. They said that um, because, you know, like true crime and crime has always been huge, especially in England and in um, I don't know if it's Georgian England in like early 1800s England. It was really popular. Mm. Um but after World War II, people in, you know, people who had watched their neighbors be blown up mm-hmm. by bombs or lost their brothers and husbands and, um, you know, boyfriends in the war, they'd all become incredibly desensitized. Yeah. So they weren't, people didn't shy away or it, it, like death and murder were yeah. not taboo anymore. They were very interested wow. in it because now it was like, oh, it's not happening to me. That makes sense. So they're finally like, oh, I can read a story where it's not me with the bullet coming at me. It's like right. this happened to And it's else. not in the fucking battlefield and all this. Exactly. It's like a huge, almost a bigger relief. Right. So that's kind of like the world they live in. One of the people, oh, and also the, just, this is just an interesting aside and they had video of these guys. Mm. The true crime reporters of the time from all of those major newspapers in London, they themselves became famous because the stories they reported were getting so popular. Wow. They called them the murder gang <gasps> and they were like reporter of the crime report crime reporter from the sun the crime reporter from the you know whatever all those newspapers are it was kind of the beginning of british tabloid reporting and the true these true crime guys were like big time the true crime gang 
the murder gang. Oh, that's what I meant. Yes. <laughs> I could feel that. <laughs> um, so they were kind of like local stars. One of the guys that came back at this time was a man named Neville Heath. Now he was not like he, although he was, um, very good looking. He kind of looks like the actor, Patrick Wilson, you know, that guy, he's like blonde, kind of wavy hair, cleft chin. He was in like little children. He was in, um, he was in all the conjuring movies. He plays that. Yeah. He's great. He, this guy looks like that guy. He is a tall, beautiful, blonde man who had gone off and was in a, he had, uh, joined the RAF in 1937 when he was still a teenager, but he had, um, he came from like a nice middle-class family, Uh always had problems with criminal behavior, Uh always petty theft, doing little things here and there. When the war effort started, he was like, I want to be a pilot. And so he joined the RAF, but then he stole funds from the mess hall No, and he ended up going AWOL cause he didn't want to face it. And, um, he kind of slowly developed into a con man because he was, he could talk his way out of anything. He got people like Charming. people kind of fell in love with him yeah. all the time. Blonde people with fucking chin clefts a blonde with a chin cleft and like i bet you he had a very deep soothing voice yeah. like he was one of those people that just like never didn't have a good thing to say watch out for those guys that watch it <laughs> um he also so he was he was doing all kinds of uh like he he was um eventually caught from going awol by trying to apply for credit by fraud mm-hmm. so he was using all these aliases yeah. um he sounds like James Bond kind of yeah like a bad guy James Bond yeah okay um, like one of a James Bond villain yes in the making but good looking were there any were there any James Bond villains that were good looking male I don't fucking know um that's a different podcast it's called James Bonding demographic yeah <laughs> he called himself Major Rupert Brooke he called himself Lord Dudley um, of, course he, of course he did. <laughs> um, so he was trying to apply for credit in under these false names, got caught. That's how he got arrested. Um, he went to a Borstal, which is, I don't, it's a jail, but I don't know what, why that's different than a normal jail. I just feed you shittier food. Probably I think so. That's what it is. It yeah. sounds like they send you to Russia. It sounds like there's like hay on the ground in, it, in your cell. Oh, that's a horse stall. You're thinking of. <laughs> Wait, I, why don't I click this live link and tell you that a Borstal is a type of youth detention center. So he was so young, oh, he was going to a youth detention center. We knew That's that. Right. We I knew, knew that. that. Don't act like I didn't know that, listen, Georgia. We were testing you guys, you listeners. But here's the problem. He flourished in jail. <laughs> he, he... Man. He um, a psychopath test. He he's a full on psychopath. Did you flourish in jail? He flourished in jail. The guy, the governor of the jail, they're called the governor, but he's basically like the warden mm-hmm. of the boys' jail. Mm-hmm. Um, he kept giving him leadership duties and eventually um, supported his application for the Air Force in 1939. He sounds like he could have been a really successful person if yes. he had just not been a dick. If he hadn't been a cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we are on theme. This is a themed episode. We are not evergreen. We are of the moment. <laughs> he tried to re-enlist in the Air Force when the governor um, supported his uh-huh. application. The Air Force 
was like, no thanks, criminal. <laughs> well, you tried this already, pal. And you get that one shot. Yeah. He joined the Royal Service Corps and he was stationed in the Middle East. And um, over there, he did all this, his same business. Like he had to keep doing it. The second he got there, he pretended to be a man. Oh, no, I'm sorry. When he in the Middle East, he got court martialed. He, he basically stole, got court martialed, was sent home in disgrace. And on the boat ride home, he jumped off the boat. At, like he, the boat docked in South Africa. He mm-hmm. got off and bailed. Um, and escaped essentially and then started calling himself uh, Captain Selway in South Africa and uh, Captain Selway fun so far I mean yeah he had a good time with it he had a limp and a monocle as Captain Selway and um, our guy Neil Root was like he was just an actor like he was he got super into these roles and he became the people dude he's an adventurer Um, until he kills people until yeah so Let's see, I lost my spot. <laughs> Beep boop. That's when you say, do dot. It really helps. I can't steal your bit. No, it's dot. That computer wise gets me down to it my does. spot. It helps. It really helps. Um, thanks, Stephen. <laughs> he joins the South African Air Force under the name Lieutenant Colonel James Armstrong. <laughs> okay. Um, which is kind of amazing. It's so long ago that you could join like a government agency and they'd be like, we haven't caught up to you yet. We don't. Or know. you could be like, here's my title. And I'm like, OK, great. There's no way to check this. Goodbye. Yeah, but it, it's like, what was it written on a fucking napkin? Like, yeah. it doesn't make sense. And he's just like, no, this is who I am. And everybody trust me. But it's like he's smooth talker. All you have to be is confident. And people fucking believe you. If you're beautiful, and the confident. world is your oyster. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean... Um, let's keep it positive. So, uh, so he flew missions as Lieutenant Colonel James Armstrong. Um, but then finally they found out that he was this criminal guy. Because he he couldn't fly a a plane, maybe. He was like, he was like into, I get, you know, at the time it was like World War II and it was like the Air Force pilots were the shit. Oh, for sure. They were the hot hotties so he just wanted a slice of that um amen he got deported back to england he arrived in january of 1946 um he tried to go to the london school of navigation because his idea is i'll be a commercial pilot and he actually went studied there worked really hard tried and then near the end they found out about all of his court martials and all his bullshit Mm. from the army and basically being a criminal and they told him you will never be a commercial pilot and he they kicked him out so his family thinks like he's telling the story of like oh i was a pilot in the army and now i'm gonna be a commercial pilot and everybody don't worry about it so now um he can't tell them that he none of that's gonna work out because he can't keep his hands out of the till so he lies to them and then i think that's part of like the pressure starts mounting Mm. and what he ends up doing is drinking and going to dance halls all the time sounds like a blast right um and he and he's a, of course a huge womanizer mm-hmm. because he's be, he's beautiful <laughs> um or good looking let's okay. say he's he's no paul onions <laughs> can i just say really quickly vince told me a story the other day when we were on the plane on the way home from australia and he saw that like riz ahmed there was like a tv show with riz ahmed on the plane and he walked by and said riz ahmed's on 
on TV and you heard him say Riz Ahmed's in seat one. Yes. And lost right. your shit. <laughs> Why did you guys tell me about that the minute we got off the plane? I, th- I had no memory of that until you just said it right now. Because he was walking by and just said it in that Vince way, like fast and kind of like, Check like out Riz Ahmed. Yeah. And, but the excitement he said it, like the look on his face was like Riz Ahmed's here. Yeah. And then I was like in my pod all half asleep and weird. And I'm just like, wait, what? what? <laughs> so I love like, it. It doesn't matter. It's not, I mean, I'm sure there are some people that would go and squat by their seat. You would have sat on his lap the rest of the way home. I not only would not have sat on his lap, I would have had a mean look on my face (laughs) in case he saw me and been looking at the ground the entire time. Do you know what kind of shitty friend I am, but like the best kind of friend is I would have been like, let's walk by him. And then I would push you into him. Yeah. You know, so it looks like you bumped into him. (laughs) You're the perfect wingman. I am such the wingman. Because you're going to work against all of my yeah. serious problems which is the best way to flirt is to act like you're angry and walk away <laughs> which and has like, not panned just out well go act like a human and speak to the person <laughs> no <laughs> so moving on so Riz Ahmed <laughs> Riz Ahmed is back in England Kay. no so uh Neville Heath is he's under pressure he's a failed he's a failed pilot he's not he's acting and can you know, hold himself to be this person, but he actually doesn't have any of the cred. Um, but he's, so he's meeting a bunch of women. He takes a room at the Pembridge court hotel in Notting Hill gate, which is the street, the main street in Notting Hill. That one I did look up. Okay. Notting Hill, the film that makes me crazy because why does he like her? (laughs) Why? Why? Why anything? That's true too. Okay. So, he actually checks into this hotel using his real name. He just added the fake title, Lieutenant Colonel. But his real name is on the books. Does those even go together? I don't know. I certainly don't know. Can you be a lieutenant and a colonel? I mean, I would believe him because he did... One of the things he got in trouble for when he was in the army was misusing uniforms and medals. Which is like that stolen valor thing. Get your story straight. I mean, he's just like, it's like, go be, go be an actor in the theater, yes. you fool. That's what you want to do. Yeah, all the ladies. You can uh, All the single ladies. All the single ladies. Okay, so when he is, um, he's at, he has taken this hotel room. He's out at a bar one night and he meets a woman named Yvonne Simmons. He takes her out to dinner. He starts to romance her and he's trying to get her to come back to the hotel room with her, with him. And she won't go. And so he proposes to her. And so she's like, okay, I will. No. So she goes, Yvonne, she buys it. He sell, I mean, he sells it in a way that she can buy it. He, she goes and fucks him. And the next day she goes back home to Bainbridge, Bainsbridge, where she lives. Uh-huh. Uh, I think either with her parents or her parents also live there too. Um, and now she thinks, oh, I'm, ma- I'm engaged. And he, oh, and like, I'm, that's my fiance. This is an episode of Downton Abbey. I mean, it really is in the, the, the sad, a sad, dark Downton Abbey would not be a bad idea. Yeah. What's it called? Um, D- Downerton Abbey. I was gonna say something else, and that's better. Downerton Abbey. Thank you so much. It's just goth. Everyone's goth. <laughs> Takes place in the Middle Ages. <coughs> Bless you. <coughs> Bless you. Don't you dare edit that out, to you, and don't fucking take a note. Oh, leave it. Excuse Listen, me. we are real people. Oh my god. We have thoughts and feelings and sneezes. <laughs> okay. And, okay. Go. She goes back to Bainsbridge. Four nights later. 
Neville meets a woman named Marjorie Gardner. Now, she's an artist. She's 32 years old. She was married to a terrible alcoholic who she separated from. Um, she's from a middle class family, but she has led a what they call a bohemian lifestyle. Good for and her. Yes, exactly. Right. She wears pants. Exactly. She grew her hair long and put a scarf in it. Um, Fuck her. She also, as they qu- quote, say in murder maps, they're like it, she enjoyed the freedoms the new freedoms offered to women by the war. Pants. So basically, pants, sex. <laughs> pants and sex. Pets, pants, sex, and cigarettes. And if you want, build a bridge. <laughs> Love can build a bridge. So she meets Neville at a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, same deal. He takes her out to dinner. Then they go to the Panama Club, which mm-hmm. is some private club he belongs to. Mm-hmm. As, or so he says. They leave the Panama Club at 12.20 and they go back to room four at the Pembridge Court Hotel. The following day, uh, the assistant manager get enters the room because the um, maid can't get in. Mm-hmm. And so he comes up, opens the door, and Marjorie Gar- Gardner's body mm-hmm. is naked on the bed, uh, covered to the neck with sheets. Her ankles are still bound. Her There's marks on her wrist to show that they were bound, but that the um, restraints had been cut. She um, had been gagged. There were 17 lacerations um, on her body caused by a whip. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. She'd been punched in the face at least twice. Oh, my God. Um, nipples savagely bit. No, 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 bitten. no, no. no. I know that's a bad one. She, and also to me, the worst one where she had been raped and then an an instrument had been inserted inside her vagina. So I think they said it was like a bottle opener. It's horrible looking. Basically a incredibly brutal and savage attack on this woman. Is there a crime scene photo of it? Uh, not that I looked. Okay. Not that I saw. Okay. Um, but there was a very upsetting reenactment because the woman looks a lot like the picture. They show the picture of of Marjorie, and then this actress they got to play her looks almost exactly oh like God. her. So it's very real. That's so crazy that supposedly that was his first murder. Supposedly, because that's but it's too, not. It's not. It can't be. Like we all know that that's not your first murder if it's that. Yeah, there's a gap of time where he goes from um, I'm an embezzler, I steal, I basically, no rules apply to me. That early kind of psychopath shit of I want to get whatever I want no matter what and I don't care. But then it goes from there and then there's all that time where who knows what he did in South Africa. Well, he's in South Africa, he's in the Middle East, you know. Yeah. he's He's... He's breaking, he's clearly, he got, you know, uh, what, you know, discharged from the army for, for reasons that they're saying that there are these crimes, but who knows what the fuck Right. They could be like, we don't want to, we don't want to advertise what else. Or they just don't know. They just caught him for one thing, but he could be guilty of anything. Fuck, man, that's brutal. So the thing is, uh, and ultimately they find she was suffocated with a pillow. That's how she actually died. Mm. Neville Heath is nowhere to be found, obviously. Since he signed in under his own name, no, though, now he's on the run. Mm-hmm. Um, and Which means he didn't, pre, it wasn't premeditated. No. You know what I mean? That's a very good point. Yeah. Yeah, why would you? Especially since he's so tricky and uses so many yeah. aliases everywhere in his life and goes so far as to pretend to have a limp and wear a monocle that why would he then right. here do, fuck up? Something pissed him off and he snapped. He snapped. He snapped. 
Um, okay. Maybe. Who knows? Well, what he does do is takes the train to Bainbridge and goes to meet his brand new fiance, <gasps> Yvonne's parents. Yvonne. So Yvonne, he's like, guess what? I'm coming to visit. Like everything I said was real. I wasn't just hey, super honey. drunk. Yeah. Um, he goes to the parents golf club and has dinner with the family. Then they leave and they go out to another club for drinks. Um, and he realizes he has to give her his explanation of what happened in that room. Cause she was in the room with him and that he knows the story is going to come out that Marjorie Gardner was murdered. Okay. So he tells Yvonne that he met a man who asked if he could borrow his Neville's hotel room key so he could go fuck a lady. And Neville was like, sure, no problem, buddy. Take my key and I'll just go walk around the streets whistling with my hands in my pockets all night. <laughs> and then that basically that the murder was some other guy killing Marjorie right. and he was just the unlucky fella that gave his key to What somebody. are the chances? I mean, the odds are insane. Um, the next day, the newspapers are filled with his picture and pleas to turn mm. himself in. And so the family sees it. Um, all these people see it. He writes the police a letter explaining to Marjorie I mean, so explaining that he'd lent Marjorie the room key. He went out for the night. And then when he came back, he found her dead body. So he changes the story mm -hmm, slightly mm -hmm. to the police. Which we all know is a red flag city. A red flag city. And also, apparently, he wrote these letters all the time. The Neil Rook guy talks about how uh, Neville Heath would write letters all the time after he did stuff, kind of explaining what his deal was. Huh. And oftentimes... It would lead people to go, that's him. okay, I understand now, oh. and let him off the hook. Oh. That's how he got out of things. And and one of the theories is he had been doing these things for so long and getting away with it yeah. that he kind of thought he was untouchable and he didn't ever believe, he just didn't, he thought everyone would always believe him because you know they always did. Because people want to believe pretty people. They people do. People believe pretty people yes. over fucking not pretty people. Absolutely. You get away with shit and people fucking... Get well, charmed by you. It's charm. It's that thing of when a certain type of person looks at you and presents a thing. Yeah. Like there are people who just know the power of their own face or their own voice or their own. Well, deal. they don't know. That's just what they're used to in life. You right. Know? They think everyone gets treated like that and everyone can do this thing. Right. It's a it's quite a combination of like when you have a psychopath that's good looking. Yeah. Like, you know, all doors are open. You fucked. You fucked. Hello, the devil. So <laughs> it's my new musical. So, okay. Um, he, in this letter to the police tells them he's, he found the whip that she was injured with and he was going to bring it with him when he came to talk to them. Oh, no. And then just, and that's it. So they're like, okay, but they, um, he's now operating under false names again. So he's still, he isn't going back yeah. to the police. Yeah. He's, so he checks in on June 23rd. He checks into the Tollard Royal Hotel in Bournemouth under the, um, name, the fake name, Group Captain Rupert Brooke. No. Yeah. It always, he always has to have two military yeah. names before the fake name. Um, okay. So. And this is like about two, the murders happened. He's on the loose for two weeks, essentially. Um, and he's walking around Bournemouth. Um, 
and he meets a woman named Doreen Marshall. She and her friend are also walking around. It's, I think, Bournemouth from what I remember, but this could be wrong. But I think it's a seaside town. Let's from what I it. remember from Murder Mouth. Let's fucking go with it. Steven's going to tell me whether or not. I he think is. I'm right, though. But I think it's like it's like a little... He got out of town, basically. He went to the vacation spot. Mm-hmm. I'm right? Okay, thank God. Because I can't have British people angry at me. <laughs> I can't. Because they're just stern. They won't yell at you. No, they'll just be disappointed yeah. and friendly, which I can't take. <laughs> I need Irish yelling or nothing. Okay, so <laughs> he goes to Bournemouth to get out of town. He He's walking around, but he is a voracious... He's they they call him eventually they end up calling him the lady killer because he's just this womanizer that then of course is literally a lady killer. He meets this girl Doreen Marshall and he won't leave her alone. He's like on her all day long. Um and at first she's into it of course yeah. because it's the good-looking army captain or whatever the he group captain. And then she fucking senses he's a creep. Yes. Fucking gut feeling tingling. Yes. And also because he can't, I think people like that, they can only keep that certain level of charm yeah. going for so long. Yeah. So once he's, it's like, if you're, especially if you're not going with the direction he's trying to take you, Yeah. then he started getting real pushy and real insistent. Yeah. And in the hotel room, I mean, in the hotel lobby, um, he was getting really pushy with her, Doreen. Yeah. And the night manager of the hotel actually saw it happen and saw her going into a panic <gasps> about it. And that night manager was the last person to see her alive. Oh, no. So he saw some kind of weird exchange between the two of them. Noticed it. Noticed it how... weird enough to notice. Yeah. How unhappy she was and made a note of it. So the next day... um. The, t- the man, not, the manager of the Tollard receives a call from the Norfolk Hotel, um, which is where Doreen was staying, like on a different side of town. Uh-huh. And they called because she was last seen at that hotel getting into a cab to come to their hotel. Mm-hmm. And she never arrived and never came back. And I guess the friend was like, that's what I'm assuming. The friend was like, you have, it's like, we have to figure yeah. out where my friend went. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> the staff at the Tallinn were becoming very suspicious of group captain Rupert Brooke because of all these things they were seeing him, you know, these vibes they were getting from him and the, sure. and the behavior. Um, so finally the police, meanwhile, putting all these things together, put together that Neville Heath and, um, Rupert Brooke are the same person. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, he had, he, he said he was from um some some like air force base in uh a place it's a city in it's london no 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 it's like leicester okay but i think it's leicester when have you ever cared? I know, but I, suddenly I'm holding my hair about it. I know you are really troubled. It's, it's because, <laughs> because it's probably like Leicester, Leicester, Leicester. Yeah, that's probably what it is. That's probably what it is. Yeah. Oh, they're so mad. I can I can hear the tea spilling across right, this well, ocean right we'll now. We'll cancel our trip. We'll cancel our shows there that we're <gasps> that's not. That's a secret <gasps> reveal. Ooh, deep. deep. That was um. What do they call those? A uh, deep cut? No, a um, spoiler. Easter egg. <laughs> yes, an Easter egg. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. The police, it's the thing I said of coming back into the police realize Neville Heath and Rupert um, Brooks are the same person. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rupert Brooks, sorry. And so they also find 
um, in his room a train ticket uh, for Doreen Marshall, the whip with hair on it <gasps> that was tr- then traced Man, to... What's up with the whip? Marjorie Gardner. I know, that's fucked. That's like a really specific weird thing. Yes. And it's very like south african i'm in the air force yeah. i'm wearing jodhpurs i have a whip i have it's a also pith that helmet you like, right but you had to have it on you you know what i mean so like you didn't just grab something and hit the person with it you like had your whip yes you know and it's, like this is what you were into right which also then goes like did he snap or was this a build what did he yeah or the thing of like he brought it out and she wasn't into it and so he attacked her it's like no he he got off on yeah, well it. she's and marjorie was tied up so yeah. like was it fun times tied up and oh look i have a whip or was it like and then it all goes bad sure Ugh. Oh, okay honey so um <clears throat> a waitress walking her dog sees a strange swarm of flies <gasps> Um, near down near the beach. So then later on, when she sees the story of Marjorie Gardner's death in the paper, she grabs her dad and goes back down to that part of the beach Mm-mm. to check out what the swarm of flies are. Mm-mm. And there, Doreen Marshall's body is found, mm. nude, arms tied behind her back, stabbed to death. That chick was a vintage murderino. She was the Ridge. A Ridge murderino. Because she had to make that connection where she was like, I'm sure there was a weird smell too, if there was a swarm yeah. of flies. But she yeah, kind but of saw something. Yeah, but you'd still be like, it's a bird or whatever yeah. the fuck. That's right. But she was like, let's, dad, let's make sure. And he's like. And she's smart enough to not go, I'm going to go make sure by myself. Yeah. She's like. Hey, dad. Father power. Okay, so what he what Neville Heath had done when he was out of his hotel room, um, he went back by climbing up the outside of the hotel, up a, what they say call a builder's ladder on the side of the hotel, mm-hmm. and he basically snuck into his own hotel room, Mm-mm. probably because he was covered in blood <laughs> and had shit all over him and knife and all that stuff because he had he had murdered Doreen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he then the next morning told the story in like the lobby with other hotel residents as if it was, I pulled this prank on like the doorman. So he tried to make it, he was basically oh. trying to establish this motive of, I was doing this fun, funny, crazy thing with the doorman. That's what I was doing last night. And that's what you're going to remember. Stupid. So, so um, when the police question him, uh, he claims that he blacked out. He has no memory of what happened during that night. He says that he came to on the beach looking at his bloody hands, mm. that he washed his hands in the sea and then walked back to the hotel. Um, but what it turned out happened was he it took her down to the beach, attacked her, murdered her there. And before he murdered her, he took off all his clothes oh. so that when he was because he knew he would be covered in blood. So when he was done stabbing her to death, he went in, washed himself in the sea and then came back out and put his clothes on. That's how and you then, know he knew what he was doing. Exactly right. Yeah. Not a snap. No. Nope. In this situation. Anyway, Planned. pre Pre-planned Planned. when you're you're like I want to mur- murder somebody, but I don't want my clothes to get dirty. Yeah, fuck you, dude. Yeah, okay, absolutely, fuck you, dude. On September, 
Oh, then he disposed of the knife. The ultimate proof that you're not insane. Sure. September 24th, 1946, the murder trial begins. His lawyers tried to claim insanity. Mm. Um, and they, they did it by revealing his previous crimes and then saying this is a progressive mania that then built to murder. Um, uh, and then the Neil Root guy explains that you have to know what you're doing is wrong to cover it up. And that's the proof that it's not. And you can't do if you if they can prove you tried yeah. to cover it up. Yeah. then that proves you're not insane. I love that rule. Yeah. Because it, it applies to so few actual murders. Yes. Yeah. And it's so clear. It's like yeah. it makes so much sense. Um so he was found guilty and he eventually was hanged for the murder. Um, Holy shit. But up until the end, and this is kind of an amazing like final moment for that show mm -hmm. that I loved. Apparently the thing they used to do before they hung you was they gave you a, a, a shot of whiskey. Really? Like a glass you know it's like they're gonna give you dental surgery or they're gonna hang you you're right so you kind of got like one quick thing before you went and he said mm. to the hangman considering the circumstances you might want to make it a double oh my god like to the end was this insane phony lunatic because that's the coolest line i've ever heard i mean it isn't bad so i'll say that is clearly a charmer yeah the lady killer neville heath Thanks. <laughs> we don't do that we only do that live i forgot oh my god um shit. i think because i really buttoned it and i felt like you felt like you had to do yeah, something yeah it was like wow shit tough you say the title at the beginning and the end and then yeah I'm like, whoa oh but i am going to tonight in my car by neil roots book frenzy because this story and then those other three like the way all that information was coming out where you're like this is why people mm -hmm. it's like when that that explanation of people during world war ii becoming desensitized to fear and horror and death and yeah. then when the war's over they still want to know the bad shit because sure. they've already known the bad shit distraction yeah it's a distraction from your own woes Yes. And they were saying, like, for the soldiers, it's a celebration that it's not them. I think that's what it is for us today. You know, yeah. like we know these things can happen and all this horrible shit can happen. And hearing about it makes it legitimizes it and makes it true. And we're aware of it. And we're not trying to fucking shelter ourselves from shit because, man, life's a bitch. Life's a bitch. And we're so lucky we're so lucky and there is there's another book that i'm reading that's about murder in like the early 1800s in england that's when it like they would put it out on the broadsheets and it was really yeah. popular there would be like a picture here you know, here yeah and they glue it up to a wall or whatever sure and it's a uh, I'll, I'll get the title of the book for next time but in that the author was saying um that it was it's like sitting inside a house when there's a a rain a thunderstorm outside where you enjoy the raindrops on the window pane that's exactly it because you're inside in the warmth with protection that's exactly it or like when you're in an earthquake and you know it's not going to be that bad and you're just like this is so fucking cool and fascinating yeah because you because there's boundaries to yeah. It. yeah yeah wow yeah that's fucking cool um pretty good one happy thing should we end on that oh yeah botox no i'm kidding can you pause no don't pause don't edit that out but that's not my thing 
mean, it really is just. Um, oh, I'll say one. Okay. We did the LA Pod Fest last weekend. It was super fun. We did a great show with um, KCRW where we got oh, to be guest DJs. That was so fun. Um, we did our own live show. I did the stand-up show. It was like a hangout at the Biltmore. Yeah. And we got to meet all these listeners that came specifically to the pod fest and people drove in from yeah. far away people from arizona um remember the guy last year that we met at la pod fest his name was joe and he gave us those la corners office mugs yes yes i still have mine well he came back again and oh. gave us a travel mug and an apron also from the corners office <gasps> and i went sorry remind me do you work at the corners office and he goes no i just love that they have a gift shop <laughs> <laughs> And there was just like, we met so many cool people and actually got to like hang for a second and talk to people. It was really nice. It felt very much like a, um, like we're all just chilling situation. Right. It was very fun. And those, and I will say for that stand up show, which I don't love doing anymore just because I don't work on it and whatever. But that was fun because it's an audience of people who really love and care about comedy for the most part for that podcast anyway. So it was like, they were with you the entire time. Yeah. Like it was, it was so fun to do a set like that because everyone had the best sense of humor. It's almost like they weren't waiting for you to make them laugh. They no. were like, let's all enjoy this. Yeah. yeah. It's like how, when we do ours where you already have the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So everyone's ready to just go where you want to go. Right. No, I love that. That's great. It was. Yeah. So thank you. LA Podfest. Yeah. Dave Anthony, Graham Elwood, Chris Mancini. Um, it was super fun. Yeah, it definitely was. Give me one second. What do I like about this world? It just can't also be like selfish. (laughs) Like what? I don't know. Because yours was very sweet and giving. Like being alone. (laughs) No, I think that's really good. To you? Of course. You can leave this this part in. Um, So Vince was gone last week. Missed him. Love him. It's so quiet and weird here without him. But... God, there's something about being alone and just like watching whatever you want to watch and lots of farting and (laughs) drinking, you know, drink, having a drink and talking to your cats and like singing stupid songs. And I just, I really enjoy that a lot. Yeah. In a way that's like, doesn't mean I don't love Vince. Oh, of course not. You know? No, no, no. I think it's, um, it's almost like a resetting. Yeah. When you can just get a little... I mean, I've gone, you have to be careful though, because then after a while, like, I think I have thin skin about it where I need, now I'm becoming that kind of person where like, I need things to be a certain way because I'm so used to always only having things exactly how I want them, which isn't good. Yeah. But then when you meet someone you really like, you're like, oh, I like the way he does that stupid thing. Yeah, that's true. Now it's like, I had some, I had some greeting or some like saying I saw a long time ago that said like. When you don't like someone, the way they eat pisses you off. When you like someone, they could spill food on you and you'd be so thrilled about it. Mm -hmm. Like something like that, where it just depends on the person. Yeah, that's very true. But there is something very zen about just like being in silence or just kind of doing what you want and not always. For so long, I really always had to have like three people around me at all times. And um, it's, it's just kind of knowing yourself too, and knowing what you would be like alone and your schedule and like how you would fall asleep at night, which is 
apparently on a fucking naked bed with my fucking vintage comforter just <laughs> and no sheets and no sheets covering me and you know it's kind of cool to check back in with yourself like that yeah i think that's really good yeah and then when vince came home i was like great i gotta be a human again and i <laughs> actually have to shower <laughs> Yeah, he's very strict about that stuff. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, being alone. Mwah. Consider it. Consider it for a hot second. Um, <laughs> All right, well, thanks for listening. Stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Bye. Bye. Elvis, use your microphone. Elvis, want a cookie? Want a cookie? Whoa, <laughs> the big yes. You just blew doors on that one. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Yeah, we heard you.